Thank you for listening to The Contemplative Corazón. Peace is possible. Join me as I share personal reflections and conversations with others as we seek to make time for contemplation in a busy world. You're listening to episode 33, Recognizing Spirit in Everything. Muchísimas gracias for returning to the Contemplative Corazón. I have been wintering. You'll hear more about that concept when I post the book review for wintering next episode. And even though this is a season about life storms, I feel like that is how we deal with life storms sometimes from, in some ways, disconnecting from the hectic pace and just doing things for ourselves and for our loved ones. So I was really blessed to take my daughter on a quinceañera trip to Rio de Janeiro. And um, there may be more about that in an upcoming episode, but it was a wonderful time of sunshine, food, and um, laughter, as well as just the frustration of, of sometimes not knowing enough Portuguese to get by and uh, travel delays, but we had a wonderful trip. And then I ran my 23rd half marathon in Key West, Florida, just last weekend. And if you are in the United States, you know that there has been an Arctic freeze, which has had a huge impact on travel, as well as school and other other day-to-day operations. And so we were some of thousands of people that were stranded in various locations across the United States. So we were um, in Florida. We also spent a couple of days in Texas and we finally came back and uh, trying to adjust once again to our time zone and to our weather because we have experienced everything from the 80s all the way to the teens in the course of two weeks. With that said, um, you know, a lot of mindful breathing has gotten me through some of the stress of that. I am honored today to share my conversation with my dear friend, Leah Ferrer. I don't want to steal any of Leah's thunder. And so I will allow the episode to speak for itself. I also don't have a formal bio for Leah, but I will share a few words from the program that will be shared at her celebration of life, which is actually this Sunday, January 21st. Leah proudly holds her contradictions. She's an adventurous risk taker, but she's also a control freak. She feels equally at home hosting fancy dress tea parties in old mansions, as she does firing off rounds from her Glock 19 on the shooting range. She can get an inhuman amount of work done in a small amount of time, yet she can spend days in bed by herself doing virtually nothing without feeling bored. She is both a workaholic and a master at fun employment. Above all else, Leah loves to travel. She prefers adventuring solo, discovering different places, eating foods she's never tried before, having new experiences, and building up an extensive travel log. Travel has become and continues to be her primary focus as she squeezes every last bit of joy out of the remainder of her life. I am grateful and honored to have been in conversation with my wonderful friend and dance sister, Leah Ferrer.
I am really happy today to be reunited with one of my longtime dance sisters. We go we go way back to when my daughter was a toddler and I decided to join Bay Area Flash Mob for a massive Michael Jackson flash mob. And this woman just stood out to me. You know, she was one of the one of the leaders and principal dancers. And she just stood out to me even then as just this pillar of strength and charisma, like very kind of front and center. And that was kind of how we came into each other's lives. But I'm going to allow her to introduce herself. So welcome, Leah. Thanks, Julie. Yes. And uh, yes, I remember meeting you and your daughter, Massey. And it was great to uh, watch her grow up over the years. And now she's a, a beautiful young woman who's still continuing her dance even after BAFM has stopped with the classes. So very proud of that. And um, yes, my name's Leah Ferrer, uh, formerly part of the leadership group of Bay Area Flash Mob. And that's how Julie Masi and I met. And yeah, we're we're just here to talk about some deep stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah, so speaking of deep stuff, ethereal, positive vibe type of thing, which it absolutely can be. But I think to be real, real life isn't that, you know, it's yeah. much more layered than that. And so I thought it was important that we speak to um, some of those layers. And you were someone who came to mind immediately when I was coming up with this theme. So tell okay. us a little bit about your life's journey. Um, so I was born in the Philippines in uh, 1974. There's a lot of uh, drama there between my real mom and my real dad. I'm I'm the only child of both parents. They uh, my dad was, and then uh, my mom couldn't handle sleeping with a gun to her back, so she eventually left. And then an opportunity came when one of uh, my stepmothers uh, made it to the United States, and um, so my mom relinquished um, parental like. I guess what 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 would you call that? Not ownership, but she she relinquished her rights as a parent, so that I could go to the United States with my father. And in in his defense, he did give her that option, and she um she took it just because it's uh it was a better opportunity for me. But it turned out to be fairly a bad situation because my stepmom didn't want me there, but my dad made it a contingency that I be there for him to come over. So. I grew up in a very toxic environment, you know, like very uh, emotionally abusive and and sometimes physically abusive and uh, like basically grew up being suicidal and depressed all the time. And fortunately, I was good at school and school was my escape but just because it was it wasn't home. Right. So, um, you know, and uh, to, to top this all off, I was also an undocumented immigrant. So. I couldn't run away like you know like I've thought about it multiple times and like just making a go of it but you know without papers or anything it was just you know extremely tough so anyway after a, a lot of back and forth and fighting with uh with my dad and my stepmom about about it I used uh college as an excuse and when I transferred to San Francisco State I said oh I'm just gonna move out just to be closer to you know, I, we were in San Jose at the time and I'm like, I just don't want to commute, you know, but I'll be right there. I'll be right in San Francisco. And then, you know, that felt really freeing and I fell in love with the city and I stayed uh, for 25 years in San Francisco. And then um, at some point, I think I was I was 25 years old 
And uh, I was seeing a therapist and my therapist was like, well, why don't you just give this relationship a break? It sounds really toxic. So I did. And it was extremely scary because the last time I tried to leave that family, I was brought back by gunpoint. And, and it's not unusual for my family to do stuff like this. You know, I wasn't the only one basically that was brought back by gunpoint. And so I was extremely scared. I, I wrote them and said I was taking a break. And then um after a year had passed, I realized how much healthier I was and how how much healing that gave me. So I said the the break was permanent. And, you know, they used all sorts of uh, emotional, um, emotional manipulation to get me back. But I, I didn't budge. And I and to this day, I'm still not speaking to my dad and my stepmom's side of the family. Um, uh, I'm I'm cordial with my mother's side of the family and, you know, we're on, we're on good terms, but it's like, it's not really like, um, uh, since I didn't grow up with her as a parent, she's more like a, a an acquaintance, a, a distant friend. So yeah, it's, it's been rough because I, I, I've basically been going it alone for so long. So, you know, fast forward to now, I've been really doing great in my life, you know, like I, I feel like I've reached, uh, you know, a good part in my career and, you know, I bought a home, um, you know, I just feel like I was on the up and up. And then uh, during COVID, I felt a lump in my breast, um, immediately went to Kaiser. They immediately did, you know, like they, they just, you know, felt around and then they immediately did a mammogram, you know, checked it out. Uh, and Kaiser's, you know, like Kaiser's really great at moving fast, right? Like you're, you know, like uh, go get a mammogram, go get a disc, go get a that. And, you know, you're diagnosed within a day. So, you know, like within, uh, so I found a lump one day, two days later, they did an exam two days after that. They did, you know, like the biopsies and and then that same day I found out I had uh, breast cancer. And I was like, immediately I said, you know, what's your next available appointment there like two days from now okay take it out you know so two days after that we we took the lump out but then after the biopsy came even though it hasn't spread to my lymph nodes um they they found out that the numbers uh it, it was very whatever it was it was aggressive right so it wasn't even though we caught it early it's really um numbers wise it, it was showing us an aggressive type of cancer so they they're like let's throw you know and, and based on my numbers they did the global protocol with breast cancer because it is so common there is a global protocol it's not like you know it, it it's so common that if if you got diagnosed with the same numbers in Europe or wherever in, you know, like Asia, you will be put through the same global protocol. And that protocol for my numbers in my situation was um, four rounds of chemo. I forget how many rounds of radiation and um, and going on tamoxifen, which is, um, uh, an, um, I, I'm estrogen positive. So it was um, hormone. That with the lumpectomy that was caused, you know, caught very early, you'd think, okay, I'm in the clear out. And I really, I took the news of having to do chemo way worse than I took the news of having cancer because I didn't want to do chemo. And it was, it was every bit as awful as I thought it would be. And then some, but, you know, they guaranteed that if we followed this global protocol, my chance of going, of, of it metastasizing or spreading would be less than 1% over 10 years. Fast forward two years later, almost to the month, right? Um, I had neck pain and the neck pain became excruciating. I called an ambulance, you know, I was screaming the entire ambulance ride down. And, uh, you know, after the surgeon took a look at my x-rays, he said, your cancer's back. And I was like, what are you talking about? I have 
my the pain is in my neck. I don't know what you're talking about. And it turned out that um, not only did the cancer metastasize to my bone, but my entire uh, vertebra was a cancer cell or like a, a giant cancer tumor, I should say. It was, it was just, he just said he scooped it out like oatmeal. It was like gone. I barely had any bone left. And yeah, that's why I felt all that pain was basically my spine was just covered in mush. And that was the only thing protecting it. I could have mm-hmm. been paralyzed. I could have died, you know. So anyway, after getting that diagnosis, um, and then, you know, they did the formal diagnosis, you know, um, stage four cancer, metastasized to the bone, then I had to make some decisions quickly. And um, that led me to, I I took out a $90,000 loan so that I could travel the world. Um, I I went on medical leave and then yeah, so now that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm traveling the world because for me it it really is true life is short and just taking advantage of it, of the fact that I can, you know, like and I I had to basically shift and not dwell too much in it, not get too depressed and um just the act of planning for trips and getting this this loan which, you know, um, I'm going to sell my condo to pay off the loan, of course. Yeah. So that's basically what I'm doing with my life is I'm just like, okay, I only have a few months left, you know, I'm going to make it work. (laughs) And with your beautiful smile, you know, ever (laughs) glowing, you have been a warrior your whole life. I mean, I'm just, I don't think I knew all of this. I knew some of this, obviously I've been on this, you know, the, the journey of your cancer you know, because so, you chose to share it uh, with those of us who have the privilege of knowing you. But to hear just your childhood, I mean, you've been a warrior your entire life. And so it makes sense that the first time I lay eyes on you, you you had this like Wonder Woman or like Rhythm Nation type of, <laughs> of vibe, because that's that's really what you've had to be to to get through it all. And, as you know, moving forward like this, I'm just struck by by your strength, by your resilience. I love your commitment to self, you know, that this is how, you know, you are choosing to live your life is, is to truly embrace it. That's, that's just so wonderful. So thank you so much for, for your example and for sharing your journey with us today. And just via social media, you've shared so much of it with, with many of us and, and talk to me about what it's been like to travel the world, because this is something people, people say they want to do. It's on, you know, people talk about bucket lists, but you're actually living that. And so what is, what is that, what is that like? And, and how, how is that? Yeah. Just share, share (laughs) about your travels. So uh, the good news is I, I, I'm an experienced traveler. I've, I've been to many countries already and what was funny was when I got this diagnosis, people started talking about the bucket list, but I've always lived my life in a way that I was always uh, living, you know, seizing the moment, basically. Most of the items on my bucket list were already done. So everything, most of my travels that I'm have, I'm actually doing this year are things that were like, yeah, the, the nice to haves, right? I, I've already really done everything on my bucket list. So now I'm just like exploring more, seeing what catches my eye and, you know, like what makes sense. Like a lot of it too is proximity. It's like, well, I'm going to be in Europe. So since I'm in that area, where else can I go? You know what I mean? Like it's um, it's been like that. And because of the $90,000 loan, like I used to be very, even though I had the money to stay 
at five star hotels and maybe not all the time, but you know, I could have treated myself to that or I could have treated myself to like first class or business class. I never did it because I, I, I was always of the mindset that I would rather travel more than travel, you know, fewer times in luxury. But now that I'm, I'm at the point where I don't have much time left, I'm like, forget about it. Just like go for the first class ticket, go for the five star hotel. So that's what I've been doing is just like, and, and and it's very eye-opening seeing, you know, because I, I was, you know, I came from the Philippines, undocumented, very poor, you know, didn't have any money, you know, like couldn't even run away because didn't have papers or money, you know what I mean? So like going from that to like having my own personal driver when I travel or, you know, like just like, you know, just things, you know, being able to lie down flat and have, uh, you know, like just drinks served to me before the plane even takes <laughs> off you know just like little things like that I'm, I'm definitely having fun with it and like I said it's like it really is what you make of it and I don't expect anyone to be able to compartmentalize as well as I do I've had lots of training and and compartmentalizing and just like you know like here's my home life and here's my school life and I'm going to enjoy school life and forget about my home life you know like because it's so awful you know so I've just learned how to be like okay, that's a, that's a, that problem, you know, I'll deal with that later, you know, but for now I'm going to enjoy this. So like, I would enjoy school when I was at school. And then when I was at home, I would just, you know, suffer through it and try to get through it, you know, like, so that's kind of how it's going. There are still times when I have to deal with the cancer, usually, you know, in the form of like trying to file for disability, which I don't even want the money. I just need the benefits like I don't even mm -hmm. want the money I just actually need medical benefits and not just because of my cancer but because I have other things wrong with me that I need medication for you know so so it's yeah it it that's the only time I'm just really like really struggling but um and of course travel is not an easy hobby it and you know like I took care of the financial part of it by taking out that loan there are, the potential for crashes are much higher when you're like living life that fast. And it's, it's much more impactful when something goes wrong, you know, um, when you're an, at home, when something goes wrong, you have a lot of resources to deal with it. When you're in another country and you don't know how to speak the language, those resources are not there, you know, but yeah, it's, it's been really, really fun, exhausting because um, I used to, travel like I would leave the country once a year and that is not the case anymore I'm like I've been I've already traveled to multiple countries you know in 2023 and it's it's I'm not even done yet you know so um I'm definitely exhausted and there's this part of me that wants to stop and just rest and just take a nap you know but <laughs> again it's like it's now or never and then I'm feeling that urge and I'm like how comfortable am I dying without seeing Machu Picchu, for example, you know, like, and the, it's, the answer is not at all. So, so, so then I just grin and bear it. And I'm actually, um, the next trip will be Mexico and Peru. So um, I'll be training for Machu Picchu soon, because it's, you know, with the, the cancer treatments and stuff, even though I'm not doing chemo, chemo, like in, in vein chemo, I am taking chemo pills and, um, and a stronger aromatase inhibitor for the hormone suppressing it's really affected my joints and all the walking has really affected my plantar fasciitis so there's just I'm just in a lot of pain all the time 
it's just constant, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm popping ibuprofen, like it's candy. It's like, I'm, I'm way past the, you know, the maximum that's allowed on the bottle, but it, it's either that or take it lying down and get depressed and hide under my blankets or that, or climb at you or well I'm actually not going to climb Machu Picchu I'm not that badass um <laughs> I get to take a train up there but I am going to climb up there's this uh place called Sky Lodge that's this glass hotel room that's attached to the side of a, a mountain and I'm gonna have to climb up to that like you oh, know wow. be, be carabined <laughs> onto a cable and climb this ladder for two hours up there so oh my goodness so that's what I'm going to be training for is like being oh healthy enough to do that wow yeah that sounds amazing uh so you've had to adjust then because, you know, I know you as a dancer and I know that your dancing predates the area flash mob because I know that you were also kind of a regular at New Wave City. Yes. So yeah, I, what, did, what is- I did all of it. I did New Wave City. I, I did Bollywood like dance for a long time. Um, part of the reason why I have plantar fasciitis actually is I, uh, I used to take flamenco and I had to get a cortisone shot in my right foot. And my podiatrist finally said, okay, because I wouldn't give up flamenco. And he said, um, (laughs) you have two options. You either give up flamenco or give up dance. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, all right, fine. I'll give up flamenco. But that was the only (laughs) thing that made me stop. And, and of course now I'm still, you know, suffering from, you know, stomping my feet and high heels, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I've, I've, I've done it all hip hop jazz um I really sucked at modern so I that didn't stick and <laughs> same thing with ballet I have no technique at all but um yeah I I did a lot of dance before meeting up with Bay Area Flash Mob and I was actually there when it was founded I was I always joked that I was their first student I wasn't a one of the founders but I was definitely one the the first student and uh they called me their advisor because I did have so much um I've taken so many dance classes that I knew what I liked and what I didn't like from each dance class. So I was like, Hey, how about, you know, when you film a video, film it from behind and facing the mirror. So you can see both the back and the front, you know, cause that's how a student would want it. Right. So that kind of, I would just give that perspective to it. And also I've done some musical theater. So I would have my thoughts about like where to face when you're doing a flash mob and what is the goal here? Is it to take a nice video or is it to face the audience? Or, you know, if we want a nice video, this is the background, you know what I mean? Just um, that kind of thing. So yeah, um, that I, I went from that physicality and then, you know, like then of course I moved to Richmond and then Bay area flash mob was no longer. And um you know, I would still take things like Zumba, but it's just not the same here in Richmond. There's no like, you know, like in, in San Francisco, every night of the week, you can go somewhere and take a dance class, right? It's just not like that here. So I, I would still stick with it with Zumba and stuff. And even through the pandemic, there would be um, people who would teach Zumba online. So I stuck stuck with that. And it really wasn't until I got the, the two times I got diagnosed with cancer was what t- took me down. Like the first one was chemo was so horrible. Like it just is mm. really... <laughs> you don't have any energy, you know, I'll go, I'll go get something to eat or use the bathroom. And I'd have to take like a two hour nap because I was so exhausting, you know, like, and then when, when uh, I had the emergency spine surgery, I mean, you can imagine like there's this little plastic cage attached to my spine now holding my spine together. So Mm -hmm. I had to wear like a neck brace for so long. So that combined with all of the um, steroids that I took. So every, like I took so much steroids and 
if you can imagine every time you take steroids gaining like 10 to 15 pounds, like just, um, mm. you know, the massive weight gain, like it was, I, I know I would joke around with my oncologist saying like there was only one, you know, like silver lining to cancer. And it was, I would get to my goal weight and you took that away from me. You know? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I know. And she was just like, it's not good when you lose weight. I'm like, that's not what you, you know, that's not what you doctors said to me like three months ago. Now, now you're all about gaining weight before you're like, you need to lose 10 pounds. You need to lose 10 pounds. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And, so, and yet, and yet now you're back walking all over the world. I know it hurts though. Like it, it really was like t telling my oncologist, I'm like, dude, my joints hurt. And she's like, exercise more. And I said, it's not working. Like I'm walking everywhere and it hurts more. Like every time, mm. you know what I mean? It like, it, there is this sweet spot when you're moving, it doesn't hurt the moment you stop, you know, like, and so it's just like, you know, and I was telling her like, it, because there, she's like, how about a hot bath? So I would take a hot bath, but my knees hurt so much that I couldn't get out of the tub the normal oh. way. So I would have to flip over like an otter and like get on all fours and push up because I couldn't, my knees hurt too much to like get up from the bathtub, you know, like just getting up. Right. So I would have to basically um, get on all fours and push up that way because it was like, my knees are too weak. And this is why I'm like, I need to train for Peru because there's no way I'm going to be able to climb that mountain with knees like this. So, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I look forward to hearing about that adventure. So, you know, obviously you've really trained, you've trained physically, you've trained mentally. What about spiritually? Like how, how are you feeding your spirit, nurturing your spirit, protecting your spirit, all of that during mm -hmm. this time? So I think I've never been religious, right? But I've always felt something like uh I don't know if it's a higher power or that we're all one you know just like something uh either connecting us all or just returning back to you know what I think of when I think of death I think of returning back to source so like the you know I almost imagine because you know for lack of a better word since you know we don't have words for this kind of stuff like there's this ball of light that we go back to you know and um this ball of energy that we go back to and like all of these, I think of these little, our lives as these physical extensions of that light, like so that we can broaden the light and increase the energy. So, you know, like a MAGA person's over here pushing it in that direction and I'm over here pushing it in the exact opposite direction, right? But in, in either case, we're increasing the boundaries because when we go back to the light, we all want the same thing because we're just one giant being. Um, but when we're here, we're physically doing all the things, you know, we're, we're exploring, right? We're like, we're pushing all the limits of where this energy can go. And then when we come back, we bring something back with us. We bring the experience, you know, you, you will go back to the source light and bring your experiences and I'll go back and bring my experiences. And together we make the light bigger. So just believing in that doesn't make me, it doesn't make me scared to die. And I'm, you know, and because I've lived life, I think I would be more scared to die if I never went after what I wanted. But, you know, what I learned from such a, you know, awful childhood is like, once I got that freedom, I really, 
because I went from trying to keep the peace in that house and trying to like be very, very small and not, you know, want the things that I want and just do what they tell me, you know, like to now everything's me, right? <laughs> Everything yeah. is like what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to do that, you know, like, um, and just being free. And, and I think that really gave me the, um, freedom when I stopped talking to my dad and my stepmom's side of the family when I disconnected from that toxicity I was able to really focus on myself and just really live for the moment and not not live for other people not be like I'm gonna do this because society says this is what I need to do or you know anything like that so yeah so that's that's kind of how I dealt with it and I, I don't know if at the time I knew that was a spiritual practice, but I think there was because of my um, depression that was brought on, you know, because of my childhood, um, I really had to fight against the depression. So part of how I got through that besides medication is um, I did a lot of therapy, but I, I also started to do a lot of uh, gratitude work, mm. which um, really focuses you not just in not necessarily in the moment because you could be grateful. You could be focusing on something positive in the future, like a Machu Picchu trip, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, and really focus on that. So having these trips to focus on is part, part of that in, in a sense, my life is the meditation, um, Beautiful. you know, travel, travel is the way I meditate, you know, because I'm just like, instead of focusing here on the cancer and being all depressed and oh, I'm going to die, I don't have any, you know, like, my life is so short, you know, I wanted to do all these things. It's like, well, I'm going to focus on the things that I can do. And then I'm going to go do them, you know, and I'm just going to do as much of it as I can. And, and also knowing that everybody dies, you know, like just it, you know, what's, I wouldn't call it a blessing per se, but there are positive things to get from knowing roughly when you're going to die you know you could you could plan for it you could say goodbye to your loved ones you could you know as you know like plan your celebration of life and invite everyone you you know you care about you know so there are you know like not many but there are plus sides to knowing you know so um and and like I tell people all the time everybody dies and it's not uh I'm really I'm yes everyone always says oh you're so young but there, there have been younger and there will be younger, you know, people who, who go back to source. I'm just, I, I'm almost 50. I'm going to be 50 in January. So it's not, I'm not that sad about, you know, not living. I'm like, I'm missing out on, you know, more joint pain and <laughs> more memory loss. I'm like, I'm not too upset about it, actually. <laughs> That's a great I'm way of feeling, looking at it, right? Yeah, I'm already feeling age now like and I'm just like oh my god more of this like like and it's gonna get worse I don't know I don't know if I, yeah, I don't know if I need to fight for this you know like so so yeah that, that's kind of how I'm taking it so it's not um yeah I don't do anything like I don't really meditate or anything like that but I'm always focused on the prize and I think that is is in itself a prayer right so um when you're planning a trip that's a prayer Beautiful. you know like you you always want it to go well and they're like you know you you might be planning for some you know you might be getting that travel insurance or whatever but for the most part you're like this is how it's gonna go you know like this this is my plan so um and just keep keep your eye on the eye on the prize like there's there's not enough time to wallow and there's not enough time to for self-pity or 
martyrdom or whatever the hell else you know like I could be focusing on instead you know so and now I'm like gonna have to go to the gym and train for Peru (laughs) (laughs) well I think about you know I love what you said about how life is is your meditation Mm -hmm. and I think about just in the years that I've known you your appreciation for your friends your appreciation for you know maybe not these global trips but just local trips girls trips Mm -hmm. I love seeing your tea time with your friends, you know, these are just, <laughs> you're a foodie, right? So these are mm-hmm. all the different ways that, that I've seen you really savoring life. And, and I think that is a, that's, that's an interesting way to, it's a new perspective that I think I hadn't considered in a while, which is sometimes we look for these, like these specific activities are for the soul where I think you've pointed out that everything is for the soul. <laughs> all of life is for the soul. It's just about adjusting, you know, mentally and, and seeing it, you know, with, with that different perspective, because I think it's, it's really easy. Like you said, for maybe say, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, I think it's so reductive to, and I'm, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of being mm-hmm. reductive like that and talking about spirit as if it's a separate thing when it mm-hmm. really isn't, it doesn't have to be and shouldn't be. And I think a lot of times we've, you call it society, you call it the world, but I think we've kind of con- conditioned ourselves to, to really kind of have it as this separate thing, and it, it doesn't have to be. And I and I love that. So thank you for bringing that yeah. back I into mean, the conversation. I it's it's I and I don't consciously think of it even that way. It's just so you know when you phrased it like that, I was like, yeah, I think it's you know, every time I have a good meal, every time I see something beautiful, you know, and it's not, like I said, I don't believe in a bearded God, you know, or, (laughs) you know what I mean? So, but I see that and I'm like, wow, you know, like, you know, you, you taste something really good. You look at something really pretty. You're just like in awe of what we've accomplished here on this physical realm. And you're just like extremely thankful for that. But there's also, this part of me that, you know, I'm not scared to go back either. Like I, I've, I've had a lot of good times here in this physical realm, but I'm also not like scared of what's waiting for me on the other side, especially if I do, you know, it's kind of like, oh my God, the, you know, in, in some ways this life is a vacation as well. This is also a trip, right? So it's like, I'm trying to see all the things before I have to go back home, you know? And um, so I have these little trips that are part of this big trip that we call life. And then it's like, I want to see, I want to see all the things I want to see before I go back to source, you know? And, um, and, and I want to, I want to bring all that, all those experiences with me and grow us, you know, like grow our collective consciousness with it, you know? just look so I'm looking forward to both and um it's kind of like you know like there's that song by the Smiths you know you were looking for a job and then you found the job and God knows you're miserable now like um <laughs> if you're constantly focusing on the thing you don't have then you're already in hell you know what I mean mm-hmm. like if if every time you have something like you know for example when I have a job I'm like yeah I have a job I have money you know and then, you know, if I get laid off or whatever, then I'm like, yeah, I have free time, you know, like it's not, 
you know, I, I'm not always focusing on the thing that I don't have. It's always like, oh, great. Now I can, you know, finally sleep in and not commute and not, you know what I mean? Like I, I can shift really fast to the, the situation at hand. And it's like, oh, I have cancer. Great. I can take medical leave and you know, <laughs> travel the world. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, of course, it's not as easy as I make it sound. Of course, there were tears. And of course, there's self-pity. And of course, there was rage, you know, like, I, of course, you know, I'm I'm only human, but at the same time, you just have to, or I just have to, it's just not in me to, to do that. I've spent so much of my life suffering and, and in my childhood, there was nothing I could do about it. I was powerless. I was a child, you know, I'm a grown ass adult. I have the resources. I can make, I can make this life the way I want to make it, you know, and I'm, I'm going to do that. You know, that I owe, I owe that little girl all that, you know. Yes. Wow. And she probably couldn't even dream of how wonderful um, <laughs> it has been and ha- and it's going to continue to be. Yeah. You, you mentioned a little earlier that part of, of your journey is, is being able to, to plan your, your celebration of life, which, you know, I, I will be at and, and, and with you uh, on that day, because you're going to be there to, to see that. And do you want to talk a little bit about, about, that occasion yes so um this this concept is actually not new like I'm old enough to remember the AIDS crisis and during the AIDS crisis a lot of AIDS patients would have their celebration of life while they were still alive getting AIDS um, during those years was a death sentence and um, way scarier than stage four cancer you know like you knew you were going to die you knew it was going to be miserable you knew it was going to be coming soon right so people would have these celebrations of life so that they could attend them. It's like, say the nice things about me to my face, you know, don't wait till I'm dead and I can't hear you, you know? So that's kind of my mindset too. It's like, I'm here. I know, I know I'm going to die, you know? And um, I, I, I want, like, I've been working on my playlist, you know, my music playlist. I've been um, collecting photos that I wanted to do, you know, cause I'll, I'll go to other people's like, memorials and you know because they didn't plan for it a preacher would speak and they're all judgy about their life you know what I mean it's Mm -hmm. like and I'm just like oh my god he would hate this he would hate having prayers that is he's an atheist like what are you doing you know what I mean like it's um so just the fact that and also I'm I'm very type a so um (laughs) I want I want complete control of the playlist and the photos and the videos so like so I'm getting that I'm 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 getting and I'm like not allowing you know so if you get invited to something after I die don't go to it because I'm not allowing that so um no not allowed you guys can have zoom meetings or whatever but don't have a funeral um and and I've always like I remember watching Night Court a long time ago and it's like he said let's put the fun back in funeral this was like a (laughs) I think it was a business idea of one of the, the <laughs> people in the in the show. And I was just like, yeah, let it let let's put the fun back in funeral. Like it's um so I'm I'm planning all this. Hopefully HP HP Mendoza has uh graciously accepted the co-MC role. So he he'll hopefully be my co-MC and co-host and a bunch of other friends are gonna help me out with logistics, the cat club. Um Randy, the the manager at Cat Club, has been so gracious when I approached him about um, my celebration of life. He was. He has been so gracious because, like I said, I was a a, a regular New Age City, which yes. has many um, uh, of its events at Cat Club, and 
so before even the flash mob stuff, you know, Randy and I knew each other. Um, but it's also like a great place, not just because of New Wave City, but as you know, like Bay Area Flash Mob has also performed there and danced yes. there a bunch of times. So it's it's just a nice place for for at least those two groups of my friends to attend. And, you know, we all have good memories there. Um, so yeah, I've been really enjoying uh like planning it. Again, it's like find the things that you can enjoy. I mean, yes, it's would I, you know if I had my druthers, would I want to be diagnosed with stage four cancer? No, but now that I have, you know, here's how I'm going to handle it. Right. And, um, I'm going to have my celebration of life. I'm going to have, I'm going to invite my friends. I'm going to, you know, choose all the visuals and all the audio and all the, you know, like, you know, and I'm going to have fun. And, um, and I'm, I'm going to request it because there's two rooms, there's a back room and a front room at cat club. And I'm going to request that the back room be for feelings, you know, like there will be seats there. People can like give each other like support in the therapy while they watch videos, um, and talk it out. You know, you could, you could cry there. You could, and then the front rooms for fun and dancing, that's where the, the songs will be played and the photo slideshow. And if you're going to have feelings, take it to the back room because I want to celebrate, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want to cry. I, I'm, I'm going to hopefully have my makeup on. <laughs> oh, I don't want to cry it off. So, um, and then, you know, and then having the after party at HP's house afterwards. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, again, it's, you could focus on this sad, awful thing that you can't really do much about, you know, and the, the stuff that I can do about it, I'm already doing, I'm, I'm already on the medication that they want me to, you know, the treatment they want me to take, I'm taking all the treatments, you know, like, um, so that's it, like, I, I can feel sad about that, or I can busy myself with like the preparations for my trips and my celebration of life you know and that's so much more fun than just sitting here feeling sorry for myself and complaining about my aching joints and <laughs> bad feet you know so yeah thank you I this episode has been filled with so much of of, of your teaching and, and your wisdom and and thank you but I, I'm going to ask it anyway. The final question is always any advice that you would give to listeners who are who are looking to kind of deepen um, their connection to the spirit. I would say recognize the spirit in everything. Um, like I said, you know, like recognize it in a sunset, recognize it in a flower, recognize it in your ability to breathe oxygen, you know, like just it's it's there like anytime you taste food that's delicious recognize it like like imagine yourself as a spirit trying on this meat suit we have on why are you here like why did you choose a physical experience to learn and learn from it you know you're here for a reason you're here to like sense to 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 get the experience of these five senses your sight go to that rock concert you know like because when you're back in source light that may not be a thing we're just like in this warm glowy light and we're just you know just content right go for the things that give you joy like and and find joy in everything find joy in that cup of coffee find you know like it's yes there are days that it's going to be harder than other days but there's always something to be grateful for always you know, take it from me, like, you know, like take it from someone who has terminal stage four cancer and is still laughing about it. You know what I mean? Like it, there, there's a way to, 
there is a way to flip it. And, um, and if you're struggling a bit with that, then maybe it's time for some help, like maybe a therapist or some medication. You know, I, I wasn't always like this. Like I said, I struggled with major depression. So saying be grateful for something would, would have been, would have just destroyed me because it's like, I don't have, I didn't have the capability. And, um, when it is that hard, then I would say maybe it's time for some other help, you know, like, but if, um, if it's within your physicality or your chemical compound <laughs> makeup to do so, then, uh, find the joy in everything. Like it, look for all the ways that life is trying to show you what to be grateful for. Life is always trying to show you what to be grateful for. So look for it. Just look for those signs. Thank you, Leah. This has been such a wonderful reunion, yes. even though it's virtual. And um, I can't wait to to see you. Uh, my teenager is very upset that she won't be able to take part in your celebration of life. You could come but... to HP's after party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of convincing her to make a video to yeah, some yeah, of the choreographies. Yeah. Yes. I, haven't, I haven't pitched that to her yet. Yeah. But thank you again for agreeing to be part of this. And I am truly grateful for this conversation, my friend. I love you. Yeah, I love you too. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Muchísimas gracias for listening to this episode. Please share it and then subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that we can be joined by others. You can find me on Instagram and Linktree under Mujer Evolving. Te deseo paz. I wish you peace.